The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode five, where we chat with Maria. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truth about our poly lives. All right, so, uh, Maria, who are you? <laughs> uh, oh, what a complicated question. Uh, who am I? Like, how do you identify? Oh, okay. Well, queer, poly, um, bi or pansexual. I tend to use them interchangeably. Non-binary, but that's still something that I'm kind of working on with myself. All right, well, um... So those are a lot of the labels you, you use, uh, what, but what kind of, like, who are you in your everyday life? Yeah, what kind of things are you into? Currently, I'm a grad student. Um, I also, I really like sewing, and I do um, historical formal wear and corsets and lingerie, and I also make um, earrings and other jewelry out of polymer clay, and I do it number of other things. Those are the things that I really enjoy doing. Um, the grad school thing is almost over and I can't wait to leave. <laughs> How do you identify in terms of poly? I'm solo poly, so I live by myself. 
I'm committed to living by myself in perpetuity. But that doesn't necessarily, but the thing is about solo poly is that like, because it's solo, it's customizable. Like everybody has their own way of doing it. But for me, I, I don't, I'm comfortable being solo poly and also having committed relationships. And I have one of those, but I, my primary commitment is to like my independence. And even in the committed relationship, that's one of the things that we've committed to is fostering that in one another. So being independent is really important to me and um, self-care and prioritizing my own growth. What drew you to polyamory? Well, I, I was 19 when I was first exposed to the label itself, the word, and the, uh, the idea of it, of this being a consensual thing. But, you know, prior to that, like as a teenager, I had a lot of experience being the other woman and uh, seeing in my first year of college with the first girl I sort of dated, but didn't mean ever really officially dated. I was, she was engaged to someone and um, who, you know, lived in a different state and uh, I was her like on campus fuck buddy, basically. So I had a lot of experience with unethical non-monogamy and being the other woman. Um, but then when I was 19, I made an online dating profile and someone contacted me to tell me that my pictures were rad, exactly how she put it. And we started talking and I got to know her and she was in a triad at the time with a couple, they all lived in the same house. And so she introduced me to the concept and it just made a lot of sense. And I, I was 19, so I was at that age where I was like figuring out who I am and how the kind of adult I wanted to be. And uh, this friend who I'm still friends with, and she's one of my closest friends, um, she kind of she gave me a model for being like a no-nonsense kind person. Somebody who was kind but doesn't take shit. And so I guess what drew me to polyamory was that I met this person and she showed me, she gave me like an idea of the kind of human being I wanted to become. And I've always been sort of non-monogamous anyway, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So what does polyamory mean to you? I, for me, it's an orientation. Um, I, it's part of an part of my identity. Um, I, you know, I know there are people who think that it's just something they do or that's how they feel about it, that it's something they do and it's not an identity. For me, it's an identity. Um, it's a way of living. Um, it's also a different way of you know, perceiving the world and and conceiving of human connection and uh, and the kinds of connections you can make with other people. So what do you find difficult about polyamory? I found hierarchy impossible, both when I was practically married. It was pre-marriage equality, so we couldn't legally be married, but we were together for, you know, eight years. We lived together and moved, did two long-distance moves together, so we were married. Um, I found, but I found hierarchy impossible, and then when I left that marriage, I thought that I would be okay to be, uh, be in a hierarchical situation um, as a non-primary partner, um, but I wasn't good at that either. So I find um, situations in which there is ranking difficult. I don't know if that's the kind of answer you were looking for. 
Yeah. It's a pretty open-ended question, mm -hmm. so we want the answer. You know, whatever. It's like, we're looking for the answer that is your personality. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it can yeah. even go as far as, like, what about the about poly communities do you find difficult? Because I think that that's something that I find difficult, is that all of the other poly people I see on Facebook and they all practice hierarchy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that can be really difficult when it's like, well, that's that's not my kind of polyamory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I found that dating people who practice hierarchy as an egalitarian polyamorist is difficult, not just because, like, I don't like the whole ranking thing, but it's also difficult because I find that it, it that I have found that it's really difficult for people who, who have a hierarchical mindset to understand anything about what I do there's this tendency to, to kind of like, oh, you know, oh, you live alone and therefore you have uh, more time for emotional labor in this relationship than I do because I'm already married, you know. Um, that's bullshit. Yeah. Not true. Yeah. But there's, uh, I think, an undue burden placed on solo uh, non-primary partners for in the emotional labor department like it's not equitable the division of emotional labor is not in my experience it has not been um i find that they that I, i've had experiences with people can't understand how i would be in love with someone and not want to move in with them mm -hmm. um that it's like the, the very idea of having a committed relationship where you want to live by yourself forever like is so foreign mm -hmm. and people don't understand it and so I find I find it challenging to um, to date people who are hierarchical or are just coming out of hierarchy and still finding their non-hierarchy sea legs <laughs> um, that's one of the things another thing that's challenging is when you have a metamorph who's not nice Sure. Um, that's one of the things that I've found uh, really difficult is um, having metamors who either don't realize that it's in, that you, that we don't have to be best friends, but you know, maintaining like a respectful kind kind of rapport with one another is important and should be prioritized and and given attention. Um, I find it difficult to to have metamorph relationships with people who aren't interested in, in cultivating some sort of healthy connection with me, whatever that um, connection, whatever shape that may take. So, um, it, and ultimately, it's just, it's really disrespectful to the partners that we both have. Mm -hmm. And I have just something that's challenging in relationships in general is that I'll, I'll experience outrage. Like, I have a partner who's, who's doesn't get mad. <laughs> and I find myself getting mad for it. <laughs> I will just be like, that specific metamorph, why? Why is that metamorph not being, not treating you respectfully? Like, why, why doesn't this person respect you enough? And why don't you care? <laughs> no, I try, I have to curb the whole protective thing. Even my protectiveness takes a weird shape because of egalitarian volume. Okay, so yeah, that's, I mean... There are a lot of things about polyamory that are challenging. Part of it is also just the small group dynamics, um, small community dynamics, too. Because that maintaining respectful, kind relationships is also important when you're in a, a sexual minority culture. Because mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, not necessarily metamors, but people who are part of your community and yeah. attend the same events that you attend. Yeah, I mean, it gets really awkward really fast when somebody's like spontaneously been been unkind and it's introduced a sense of ill will into interactions that didn't need to be there and really shouldn't be there from a utilitarian standpoint. It, it's, I'm, yeah. I don't like navigating that awkwardness. It really sucks a lot. So when did you, you talked about this a little bit, but uh, do you want to say any more about when you first knew that you were poly? Or maybe clues that you could have figured out at an earlier age? Yeah, I think about that. Um, I mean, there are always indications. I, I mean, if we want to go back into childhood, I my um, male parent was a public figure of sorts, and so... I was, uh, a frequent childhood experience was, like, not having my male parent all to myself. I even, I had siblings, but, like, um, you know, there was part of, part of his responsibilities were actually, like, building relationships in this, you know, it's a religious community, clergy, um, building relationships in this clergy community and, like, playing with the kids in the congregation and, like, Mm -hmm. so I, I mean, I was accustomed to, like, a non-exclusive model of love from birth. I mean, that was normal. Um, you know, I, I also had the experience of watching a family member fall in love with somebody who wasn't their spouse. I was 12 or 13 at the time. Um, fall in love with someone who wasn't their spouse, but also simultaneously loved their spouse. Like, they were in love with two people. They didn't say that. I just saw it happening because mm-hmm. um, I was perceptive and I, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's probably, you know, those were some of, like, the early things that shaped me into this polyamorous person. But I think when I, you know, decisively was like, I am polyamorous, it was when I decided to leave my first, uh, well, my only uh, spouse. It was when I decided to leave my, my wife um, because... The, you know, there's this expression like writing checks you ask can't cash. <laughs> she and I had gotten together, and when we'd gotten together, we'd agreed to, you know, she told me she identified as polyamorous, and that was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to be with her. Um, but she had a lot of problems and a resistance to, like, she didn't see a need to interrogate her mental health issues. Um, and so, and so she, she did have this, like, I come first sort of idea, and um, ultimately she had a lot of jealousy and insecurity, and it, what it led to was that we couldn't live the polyamorous life we'd agreed to live. Um, I couldn't date anyone. She could date other people. I mean, she did sometimes, um, without issue, but I, I couldn't have um, meaningful relationships outside of this one, and... So, you know, there was, I mean, there's never any one thing that ends uh, a marriage. It's always a complicated, like, nexus of, of problems and issues. But one of the things that, um, like, I was I decisive, I am poly and that's okay. I cannot be that in this relationship. It was a factor in um, me leaving, um, and that was really the the kind of, that period of time where I was like, I deserve to be happy. 
I deserve to live the life that I want to live. And if I can't do that here, then I have to go. So it was just this, um, that was, I think, really the moment where I was just like, yes, this is what I am. And this is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of guilt, actually, with it during the marriage. Um, there was a point where she, like, complained about me to her family and they were they had but the way she framed it was like not that we had decided to be poly but that I was running around mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and so I, I had a lot of guilt that I kind of like buried and, and shaped me for a few years and so yeah yeah I hear that so often honestly is um, that like my partner and I decided to be poly and in fact Sometimes even, and they 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 were encouraging us of it uh, a lot, and um, and then we broke up because the relationship needed to end, mm-hmm. and then they told everyone that I was cheating on them, or they told everyone I was running around and being a big slut, or whatever the case yeah. may be, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> that is not, not how the story yeah. worked from oh, my point of view. Yeah, <laughs> right, and you know there was some like unpleasantness with um, me. You know, dating shortly after she and I split up, and like she like outed me to our lesbian friends, and oh. I, and I was dating a man, and they subsequently dumped me. And it, I mean, that happens. Mm-hmm. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, at that point, I had this like massive toot. I was like, I get to, uh, you know what? This is my life. <laughs> it's okay to be bisexual. It is okay to be pansexual. It's okay to be polyamorous, and I'm no longer. No longer going to conform to this homonormative thing that I've been doing <laughs> because it's all pretend and I can't keep it up. We kind of touched on this, but uh, one of our questions is when did you feel different from other people? And this doesn't necessarily even have to relate to polyamory, but like when did you know you were different from other people? I guess it's always. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's also kind of the answer. Well, growing up <laughs> in a religious household, yeah. I imagine that would probably yeah. be pretty prevalent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, one of the one of the, I mean, I, I grew up in, you know, uh, an Eastern European, Eastern Christian community, immigrant community, um, in the southeast where everybody was like Baptist. So, sure. um, so your whole community was kind of different. Yeah, yeah, I, I was used to being very different from the kids I was at school with. Um, and uh, and then you know I always felt weird in my own community too. Turned out I'm multiple kinds of weird, <laughs> and that's also okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things we love about you. Oh, thank you. I take great pride in being the family black sheep, actually. <laughs> kind of. Maybe I should have said that when you. Who are you? Oh, I'm the family black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute heretic. Someone has to be. <laughs> right. Someone has to be. So where are you in your poly journey? Somewhere. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, do you feel like you are where you want to be? Maybe it's another way to oh, ask it. Yeah, I'm definitely where I want to be. Um, I mean, there's definitely room for growth. I, you know, I've, I had a, I'm coming out of a pretty rough period of time, like post-divorce, ter- turmoil, quarter-life crisis <laughs> mess. Um, and so there are some things, like some emotional development things that I would like to tackle mm-hmm. uh, within the next year or two, um, as far as like, you know, dating and 
other things. But uh, for the most part, I'm exactly where I want to be. Do you have any um, goals for the future of where you want to go in your poly journey? Actually, something that I, I, I don't know if I can fall in love anymore. That's a, I'm really not sure right now. Or, mm. or I don't know if falling in love is going to feel even remotely the way it did sure. before now. I would like to get to a point where I'm a little less guarded. Mm -hmm. um, but that I'm going at my own pace, and it is a very slow one. Yeah. But you're still pretty young, so I guess <laughs> I remember being at like a like a, a self care day, like that we were just like a party with my friends, mm -hmm. and this woman who was 23 maybe uh -huh. uh, had just had a really bad breakup, and she was like, "I will never love again," and I was like, "Age within a year." He's <laughs> And, I mean, they might have a great marriage. I don't know. She moved away. But I was like, okay. <laughs> so sometimes I feel like, you know, it's it can feel really like, like uh, I don't know, especially when you go through something so traumatic, mm -hmm. uh, like everything has changed. And maybe everything has, but maybe not for the worse. Oh, um, definitely not for the worse. Mm -hmm. It's just, but things have changed. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not who I was when I fell in love at 21 or 20. I don't remember. I think it depends. I had a birthday when I was falling in love, so whatever. yeah. When I think about the like the love I felt when I was twenty, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't know that I'll ever feel that again. That's true. Like, yeah. it is different because yeah. I think you're, you're like, you have so much more hormones in your body, and you're like so <laughs> yeah, much. Exactly. Like everything means so much more, and it's so <laughs> insane, everything and it's it's like those like Romeo and Juliet feels where it's like the world oh my god yeah and i'm like oh my god if i dated that same person today i wouldn't have given them a second date it wouldn't have turned into that right like you know yeah. like it's yeah it's yeah. amazing yeah yeah i don't i mean i don't anticipate i will ever fall in love the way i did at 20. Yeah. even 28 28 was um you know that was quite unexpected actually mm -hmm. um but i, I just a lot, a lot is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the way I think about people and relate to them, and the things I like experiencing with other people. So but I think that that being a work in progress is maybe a good thing, even. You know, like yeah, we all yeah. we evolve, we continue to grow as people, and our yeah. priorities and. And I feel like I feel like shift. I just like would I will definitely probably fall in love again but it will be different and I'm like I don't know if that's a bad thing I don't know if like I am sad about not ever falling in love like a 20 year old again because also when I look back at that I'm like she was dumb <laughs> that's a dumb thing I definitely doubt all my decision making yeah. yeah I do so I feel like maybe falling in love with the future is going to be more uh smart I don't know yeah. and maybe that and and maybe smart means it's a little bit more guarded maybe mm -hmm. it means it's a little bit slower uh but also probably won't make as many huge life-altering mistakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the things that I that I already know is different and was different at 28 is that I don't do, there are certain things about, you know, new relationship energy that I do. Like, I still get, I, you know, I, I have the giddiness to see somebody. Okay. But I have that as part of continuing relationship energy, too, with the way I live. Like, I don't live with my, with, with my partners, and so... You know, if I've had a long, I still, I'm still giddy. I've, I've been with someone for years, and I still like, oh my God, I get to see this person tomorrow. I'm so mm. excited. You know, um, and I get that 
in new relationship energy, but I don't get any of the like, imp- like crazy ass impaired decision making high low bullshit, and mm-hmm. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just it freaks me out. I don't like it. So right, it is like it's like you're not in control anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I feel out of control. Um, well, one of the things I think is as you. As you get older, you get so much, like, over time, you get clearer about what you want and what you really don't want. Yeah. And, you know, you can, you learn to identify, oh, this is the thing I don't want, sort mm-hmm. of from a greater distance, so it's easier to avoid. I'm, I've been doing, I've definitely been doing a lot of avoiding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still, you know, life has a lot of trial and error anyway, but yeah. I, I feel like it gets a little bit easier to spot and maybe quicker to spot mm-hmm. you're like oh this yeah. is actually not working for me I need to either alter the situation or extricate myself yeah yeah fair point you know where I think when you're like in that 20 year old giddy in love like oh no now I'm miserably unhappy and I desperately want to get back to the place where I was happy instead of like oh wait that was just an, an, you know, like this is the next logical step from that mm-hmm. and it's just the highs and lows it's mm-hmm. not well and how often do you hear especially from that kind of age grouping of 20 year olds the best way to get over and specifically like best way to get over a guy or a gal is to get under a new one you know <laughs> and and just like oh I gotta keep going I gotta start another relationship and especially serial monogamous like getting out of this relationship, I'm going to go on Tinder tomorrow, like, or, <laughs> on, or on the drive home, like, anyway, yeah, so. No, I do admit, I get that impulse still, but it, you know, it's really well, when you're poly, it's not even the end right. of a relationship, it's like, the beginning and the middle and the end of a relationship, you're like, well, I'm always kind of looking, like, I don't know, yeah, I was there, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, I mean, and, and you know, with, with poly too, another thing that, here's a challenging thing to navigate, and I've been doing this lately helping a partner through a, a significant breakup definitely that's something that's pretty unique you know we don't like supporting someone that you're in a romantic relationship with when another re- relationship that they're in ends we don't really no, it, we don't learn how to do that yeah there's not a model for that no i mean and if you had a relationship with the metamor even a friendship you yeah. also get you know to grieve and maybe in a different way in a different form mm-hmm. or if you didn't have a good relationship with that person how do you like help your partner grieve knowing that maybe it was for the best uh, that's yeah. hard too or when you when uh when you were both in a relationship with the person who left you both and you both have grief and loss a sense of grief and loss with that mm-hmm. like trying to navigate that when you're both dealing with your own stuff it's like it was almost yeah. impossible it was a meltdown that i moved collaboratively it was hard so maria why did you agree to be interviewed because i think visibility is really important our community um i think uh i've I've had a lot of experience personally or hearing from other people about uh just horrific experiences when they come out to friends that they're close to or family or um uh there's so much stigma so i think talking about um 
this and actually like talking about, you know, I'm a human being and I exist and I live this way and I have feelings and things that are important to me and whatever. I think that's an important piece of uh, reaching the people who can be reached. Some haters are just always going to hate and fuck them, but you know. Um, <laughs> or don't fuck them is the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I think visibility is important for us. Absolutely. Um, so we will usually ask our guests if they are passionate about a certain topic when it comes to polyamory. And you had indicated that you are passionate about labels. What about labels? So I think labels have utility and they're important. Can you say a little bit about what we mean by labels just in case anybody who's listening doesn't really have an intuitive grasp of what we mean? Well specifically I'm talking about like dating and relationship labels like girlfriend, my boyfriend, partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah so one of the things that that I am learning during this part of my life is that you know, different words mean different things for different people. Um, I have personally have a lot of baggage with girlfriend and boyfriend there. I feel like, you know, once you start using those words, those words come with a set of uh, predetermined expectations that are societally mandated. And that kind of subliminally, whether we like it or not, takes away some of our own agency in the relationship. Because um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really uh, passionate about related to labels is co-creating relationships with people. Instead of following a script, we talk about what we want together and we do what we want and what is healthy for us um, rather than, you know, trying to force ourselves or our relationship to bend into this specific shape because that's what we've been told relationships are. And so I think there are certain words for me that have a lot of, uh, that are loaded and have a lot of significance. Um, girlfriend and boyfriend are, are just sort of gross to me and I never use them. Um, I tried using, using girlfriend, boyfriend once in the past few years and it just added stress to an already stressful situation. So. But the word partner is one that, that has a lot of baggage and is loaded for me, but isn't bad. A lot of the time in poly, poly communities, you'll hear people using the word partner sort of in a blanket way. Like um, they'll use the word partner to refer to anybody that they're not strictly platonic with. Um, for me, and maybe this is from my pre-marriage equality lesbian marriage days, but the word partner is a stand-in for spouse. Mm -hmm. um, or was then. Now it's shifted because I don't intend to get married. But back then it was the word partner and spouse. They were the same thing. Partner was the word I could use without having to get into a semantic discussion with some sort of heteronormative douchebag. Yeah. Um, and so for me now in this part of my life, the word partner is something that I use when there's a certain level of commitment or um, emotional investment or, uh, you know, a certain kind of emotional involvement. And so I, the kind of like typical use of the word partner in poly circles is actually kind of a catch-all for people that you're seeing in some capacity other than platonic friendship. Um, you and I have talked about the word partner before because mm -hmm. we have a similar history with the word. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's I my emotional reaction to it is still sort of like a second class citizen word. Oh, mm, and yeah, you know, really. coming out of that like queer relationships yeah. before marriage equality. Yeah. Um, and I was really hostile to it when I was in my non-legal marriage to my ex-wife, mm-hmm. who I uh, sort of aggressively referred to as my wife mm-hmm. during the time <laughs> that we were. I mean, we had a wedding, yeah. and we called it a wedding. We didn't call it a commitment ceremony. Like, right. you know, I would definitely fuck these second-class citizen words yeah. in a very firm way for, we were together 11 years. Yeah. And coming into the poly community, where it's used so differently, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely like that's been an emotional challenge for me, too. But the one thing that I've found as sort of a hook that I can maybe feel good about with Mm -hmm. it is I like hearing people who appear to be in somewhat traditional heterosexual relationships use it Mm -hmm. because I think it's a useful signal coming from them that they are not necessarily what they seem or that they are accepting and Mm -hmm. welcoming. I agree with you about that. I'm trying to use it with that mindset myself, mm-hmm. but it's still got a lot of loaded qualities. Yeah. You know, with the way that's loaded for you, I mean, we never had a wedding, my ex and I. Uh, that was something that we talked about early on. We were both involved in the uh, the activism surrounding Prop 8. We lived in Utah at the time, and the Mormon Church had funded uh, the wrong side. <laughs> what? Uh, significantly with Prop 8, and so we were both involved in that, uh, the picketing and the protesting, the marching, and we had a conversation early on where, you know, we were just like, no, I don't want to have a wedding until until we get the legal benefits, and we both agreed on that, and so for me, the word partner was like, it was also something that shielded me from uh, discrimination in Mm -hmm. the workplace. Mm, yeah. Because it was neutral enough um, that I could just use it. So I don't know, but it but it definitely has that sort of like commitment. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, and I like that it is neutral. Although I think that when I say it, people might assume that I'm in a lesbian relationship. And then when I say something like he or you mm-hmm. know use a pronoun of any kind, um, then they I can see almost like a little shift in their. I don't know, huh. like their whole per- person just being like, oh, oh, they're talking about a man. Oh, I'm sure so, I do that. I'm yeah. sure I have yeah, that Because I always when use I partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I've also used partner amongst my friends who know I'm in a relationship with a man about an ex, mm-hmm. and it was specifically an ex-girlfriend. And I said something like, oh, my partner was talking to their gynecologist. And then I saw everyone kind of go, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's funny to kind of like, use that word um and and definitely like like yeah as as a non-gender term but then it has like power to it i don't know mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting uh but yeah i always use partner i love i love that word yeah <laughs> why do you love it yeah i i mean i just i think that it it feels more and i wouldn't say that my relationship is queer because it's poly i, I do think that they're definitely different uh and my partner is not queer he is heterosexual but um, but it feels a little bit that calling him my partner instead of my husband 
and because we do have such a non-traditional marriage anyways, um, it makes it feel a little bit less like I am just another married wife, like contributing to society's like standards of living. Uh, right. Kind of queers the, the normal. The exactly. The yeah. all it queers right. the relationship up a little bit, which mm, yeah. uh, it's the same reason why I used to have like blue hair. I'm like, yes, I know I'm knitting and I'm reading a book and I look wholesome and all that. But you're going to know that I'm weird, at least somehow. You have to know somehow. <laughs> I'm going to have blue hair. Or, you know, I cut all my hair off, and then I was like, oh, no. People aren't going to know I'm weird anymore. So I got a nose ring. I was like, okay, <laughs> now people can know I'm weird. Like, at the very least, they'll know I'm not normal. Like, I'm not yeah. exactly normal. Um, so, yeah, so I, I kind of like, I like the, the word a little bit queers up our relationship, even though my partner isn't necessarily queer. I am, and I mm -hmm. want people to know that, like, I don't. I don't need the label of husband and wife. And also that the label of husband and wife doesn't hold the same kind of power to me personally that other people give it. You know, like other people are like, oh, he's your husband, he's your primary, um, he's your nesting partner. And, and yes, he is my nesting partner, but also all of these things have so much weight to them that I don't necessarily want them to have. You know, I don't want... So you don't want to bring in the baggage of the label in the yeah. conversation? See? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Labels. Yeah. Bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, too, that I find is that, um, you know, I've had a, a couple relationships where the way we were labeling things, the labels meant different things to us, and so we both had different ideas about what we were doing. Totally. Because, you know, the words that we were using, to the words that we were using to describe our relationship meant different things to us is something that I tend to talk about with people that I am seeing in some capacity. Um, is like, what does friends with benefit mean? Does casual mean? You know, like, there can yeah. mean so much to so many people well, that, people, I'm like, I don't know, I guess. Because when I, sometimes when I think about some of the relationships, I was like, well, they're legitimately friends, and I have benefits, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So I'm like, but isn't, like, friends with benefits sounds so so much more casual, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, I don't like the way people use it. They, friends with benefits. It really, you know, I'm looking for friends with benefits, and they forget the friend part. And exactly, they it never means friends. It's just, you know, it's yeah. not, and that's why I don't like it. Uh, yeah, and I also, whenever I see that, especially like someone on Okay, keep it on twin Tinder, Tinder, saying I want friends with benefits, I was like, you don't want a friendship. You have no in interest in friendship. No. And and I legitimately want friendship. I only fuck people I'm friends with. You know, right. so I'm like, so when I think about legitimate friends with benefits, yeah, mm -hmm. that's awesome. But but when it comes to people who actually use that as a term, no, I don't want anything to do with you. You know, when I first left my last monogamous relationship, uh, one of the things that I was like, okay, friends with benefits, <laughs> and I'm doing air quotes on yeah. that, was really what I was looking for. Like, I did not want a traditional monogamous or monogamous escalator, yeah, escalatory really. relationship. Yeah. And I felt like, okay, I know that this word is not conveying what I want. Right. Yeah. And so I sat down my now partner and his spouse and mm -hmm. said, I know you're Polly. I need a I need a vocabulary lesson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I bet we love that. They do. <laughs> Well, and, I, and when I hear casual, I think even less than friends with benefits. But right. casual can mean friends. I had experience with, with a weaponizing the word casual mm. um, in some tense, unpleasant interactions um, that 
she and I were having. And I just, you know, I, she was denigrating the um, quite emotional sex I have with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and As just being casual and just therefore casual yeah. and therefore because it's not in a relationship with a capital R it's somehow lesser than mm-hmm. and so I, I just didn't like that but and what dangerous like what's a, what's wrong with a less than relationship too what's wrong with right. that like just a fun right. relationship what's wrong with having right. a good time with people or <laughs> or having know? friends yeah or, or having you friends. find attractive and mm-hmm. sometimes have some kind of sexual connection with. That's, right. t- that tends to be my default mode, actually. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. the people that I have sex with are people that I, I want to spend time with, that I like having around, that I want to have some sort of connection with for a long time. Like, it's, it has a sexual component. Yes. This particular moment, we are connecting sexually. Sometimes we connect doing right. other Something arts crap. and crafts, yeah. or looking <laughs> yeah. at Christmas ornaments, or whatever. Um, but, so... Something that I've kind of started doing, and I, I, I mean, some people think it's silly, but I don't, of course. Um, instead of friends with benefits, I use an additive and then the word friends. So I have one uh, relationship that, you know, we sat down and had a conversation about labels at one point, And we agreed that the word smoochy friends was <laughs> appropriate. Nice. Because we are friends, we hang out, and we we, we smooch each other. Mm-hmm. We smooch on each other. Um, I like sexy friends, too, when mm-hmm. you're friends with somebody and that, and you sometimes have sex, but mostly you're friends, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I tend to, I like to kind of make up. Make your own labels. Yeah, make yeah. my own labels um, a lot of the time. And I, I also use the word doing a thing. <laughs> or the term doing a thing as opposed to dating because dating has an escalator connotation for me. Mm. And it has, and since I, I just, it's not that, I mean, other people can have escalator relationships, I don't care, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so I don't like getting roped into some escalator and yanked along for the ride um, by somebody that I'm seeing or feeling as though I am because the labels that we're using are the ones that have that sort of escalator connotation for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it just, it, bring, it introduces a bunch of obligation into the relationship that I don't like. So, um, I don't think you're alone in that. I, um, I dated someone, uh, well, a long time ago when I was still living in DC before, before I was married. Mm-hmm. And they had a, like an allergy to the word dating. Oh, really? And it was actually pretty funny because we'd been seeing each other for a couple of months, and it was not a very serious relationship, but mm-hmm. you know, we were doing a thing. And we were out at an event that she had organized, and somebody um, asked me in her hearing how long we had been dating. And she spun around in this like incredibly defensive, mm-hmm. totally hilarious, like, <laughs> we were not dating <laughs> And I just thought it was funny. Like, I was just like, you know, uh, two months. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a much more low-key, like, the act that we are, like, the thing we're doing, we go on dates. Mm-hmm. That is, that is dating. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was mm-hmm. also, that wasn't what it was for her. Right. And. Right. And what label did she, right. or if any. She didn't did want she a label, ever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and the relationship did not last very much longer after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think because. She was afraid that I was attaching her meaning to the word dating, which I actually was not. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, 
there's not very many words out here. Yeah. See, see those, what, I mean, they really do. Yeah. The, the labels, when they mean different things to different people, it really messes things up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, and it can get people very upset and very stressed yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, and one of, I was uh, seeing someone last year, and our relationship was sort of long distance. We'd been, she lived like an hour and a half away or something like that in this like, rural, small town. And, um, you know, I was trying to conform to the polyculture and use the word partner as kind of a catch-all, and it wasn't really working for me. Well, it wasn't working for her either. And so so what happened was we both had very similar baggage with the word partner. I was using the word partner. She felt that I wanted something with her that I didn't actually because that was what partner was to her, and it was that that's what partner was to me, too, and I was uncomfortable with it, but I was trying. I was putting in a good effort. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, ultimately, our relationship kind of um, dissolved, um, in part because we were actually on the same page about what we wanted, <laughs> oh, no. but we didn't realize we were on yeah. the same page about what we wanted, <laughs> yeah. because... Because no matter how many conversations we'd had about what, how we wanted to structure our relationship, this word partner had so much significance for both of us that it just kind of messed things up. So it's something that I try to take care, like take care to have like ongoing conversations about from the beginning of doing a thing with someone. Right. So. There was one more label that I really wanted to cover that I was thinking of in this um, context of the label of we. Ooh, yeah. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. When it becomes one. I hate that. Yeah. It freaks me out so much. I don't like it when people refer to when, like, a, 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 I even have issues with saying the word couple. <laughs> I do not like it when people who are in a relationship together start to express opinions and very personal things using the word we. We love you. Mm. We feel this way. We feel that way. We do that. And Why do so, we really can't have feelings? Like, right. only I can have a feeling. You yeah. can have a feeling. But we can't have a feeling. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. something that, that just it gives me the the, ick, the, the willies and the, the, the oohs and all of the... It just... Now, I mean, there's a difference between saying, well, we went to the store yesterday and, you know... Yeah. But that... I don't know. How we, do you feel about we it? We want to date another person. You know, it's like... Yeah. Oh, yeah? Do you? Do you both want to? Yeah. It's exactly the yeah. way. And, and do you, are you both like interested in the same type of person because oftentimes no uh yeah no i also have a problem with with because i am so um into and like at least with myself uh being an autonomous individual and not you know merging with anyone else that way especially like my personality and who i am Mm -hmm. uh when i see other people like referring to almost like who they are they are as a person as being connected intrinsically with their partner mm-hmm. and their their partner also um, like being part of them. Mm-hmm. I know for, I know it must be like a romantic thing to some people, but also like for me, it's like you've lost part of yourself. Yeah. And there's so many, I mean, there's so many tropes out there that like, oh, my partner completes me. And I was like, that means that you have felt incomplete as a human for your whole life mm-hmm. until you met someone else mm-hmm. and that bothers me because I definitely felt that at some point in my life and I was like and it was because I didn't know who I was yet I was like yeah yeah I was kind of an incomplete human I suppose but I didn't need a man to 
to do, to do that. I right. needed myself. I needed to find myself. Right. And so that 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 theory of like they complete me has always well for for probably like most of my poly life has always upset me. Mm-hmm. That's upset me for most of my poly life, which has been the majority of my adult life mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But something else that that you know now that you've brought it up that I want to touch on is that when people enter polyamory with ideas like that and they start embarking on uh, new re- new relationships or additional relationships or different relationships outside of that we unit kind of idea that they've constructed in their head, when they bring that, that, that construct into polyamory with them, it causes a lot of destruction mm-hmm. to the people that they date or the people that that like they're interested in um and it's not i've just i've i've been doing this a long time almost 12 13 years something like that you know more than 10 years Mm -hmm. at this point in my life and i've been involved in multiple polyamory communities in different states and consistently that uh, that idea, that vision of yourself as a couple or a power couple or <laughs> or a unit or uh, uh, you know some sort of we mm-hmm. um, and with enmeshed identities, that is something that causes a lot of strife. Um, polyamory inherently challenges it when when you start forming independent, strong connections with people outside of the unit. Um, and it, it, that it dismantles a lot of the mythology surrounding it because you are, because, you know, from the position of the, one of the we units that you have created, you know, like that from the position of the, one of the we unit, you begin to see hallmarks of your we unit in an outside relationship that your partner's in. And it's like, this is something that I considered part of us being a couple and being a unit. The you know this connection, this depth of connection, and now now I'm seeing my partner have that have similar depth with somebody who isn't me. What does that mean for this we unit that we're in? What does it mean? And it like totally, it's just it's it's a world shattering paradigm shift. I think also as soon as you start to realize that you can make decisions for yourself and that mm-hmm. no one else gets to make those decisions, it starts dismantling that we because you're yeah. like, oh, I don't have to consult anyone. I mean, like, respectfully, you want to communicate with your partner mm-hmm. all the time about everything, right? But but Calendaring is important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But even when it comes to, you know, like, things that are specifically about your own body, like, say I want to start birth control I don't have to let my partner know what birth control I'm gonna I, I will talk to them about it but I don't have to that's my body mm-hmm. and I think once those especially in relationship um, context start becoming more prevalent when you become when you like are dabbling in polyamory or if you are, are new and are are starting to like have polyamorous experiences those kind of things will start being like oh oh I don't you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not part of a a we necessarily. I am my own person, right. and and it definitely I think because society encourages the we, it does. You know, like, it does. Um, it, you have to like break it down and destroy it in your own head. Yeah, um, and then, some people don't want to. For no, sure. 
Some people yeah. don't want to, yeah. and then you get into these really, really dicey, sticky situations <laughs> when you've been married to somebody who doesn't want to dismantle that, yeah. and you want to, and um, and it would be more, would be healthier and more viable for you to dismantle the we, but when, but if there's part of that that partnership or diet or whatever that's not on board yet, that's a really, really hor horrible, hard period for both the dyad and the people they're involved with. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that, like, I've, just, I, I, I've seen it multiple times. Um, and it was a factor with my ex, too. Um, I always had this very strong sense of individuality in our relationship. But she didn't, she had these kind of ideas about who we were mm -hmm. as a, a unit or a couple. And uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, so it gives me the willies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about polyamory? Oh my god, I said so much already. <laughs> That's okay, there's Probably no pressure. I don't want you to leave feeling like there was something you didn't say that you wanted to say. Maybe not today. You can mean, come back. Okay, <laughs> maybe I'll come back. Um, but yeah, I said a lot. <laughs> covered a lot. So, there's something in there, and it's like, it's not fully formed at the moment. Well, I think, you know, we've had some topics that I think would be a very valuable contributor on uh, in a roundtable kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. So we'll maybe save that for a future episode. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, that could be fun. I, I've also, like, just thinking about all of the podcasts I listen, in, listen to, um, how fun it would be to do, like, live episodes. And, oh, my gosh. And, yeah, you know, that like, really <laughs> a meeting or something. That'd be really cool. That'd be fun. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that is it from us at Polyamory and Censor. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, and we, we love, love you. you. Bye. Bye.